All right, we're going to um, talk about a thriving community, and that's going to be the basis of our study tonight. We're, we're basing that out of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, as we look at seven different issues that the church, the early church, the first church, focused on. We saw last week it was a thirst for the Word of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The second part says fellowship. So why are we looking at that? So uh, if you'll notice the first section of your uh, blue sheet there, I said it's a forgotten reality. Um, so here, here's the point. I've made it for the last couple of weeks. I'll make it again. Many believers are confused about what the church is. And that is especially going to be brought out today in our lesson today. Many people are totally confused about what church is. And in fact, we in the church, especially the leaders of the church, help confuse the situation. Because oftentimes people will think of a church as a nonprofit or an organization or a building. And so therefore, whenever you've heard people talk about their church, and I've heard people say, well, this is my church. Well, they aren't talking about the people there. Because usually when they say that, they're upset with something that the group is wanting to do at the church. And what they're talking about is, is they're talking about the building. Or they're talking about the organization. Or, or whatever. And so you usually can see that. So there's this confusion out there concerning church. Now we've talked before about the focus being confused as far as focusing on the political, focusing on the social. Here we're talking down to a very basic level that there's a confusion about what the church is and what's the purpose of church. Okay? So, what we did is we looked at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, and we saw seven things. So I'm going to go through those with you again, just to kind of refresh our memory. The first one, of course, is God's Word. They devoted themselves to God's Word. Their focus was God's Word. They elevated God's Word to the point where they recognized its importance for the believer's life and for the church. So they devoted themselves to that, to the teaching of the apostles, for their own growth and knowing how to function. The second one is the word fellowship. In the Greek, it means koinonia. It means an intimate fellowship. They liked spending time together. And that's what we're going to focus on today, okay? A thriving community. We're going to talk about what church is, because there's a lot of confusion out there about that. The third thing was worship. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it talks about that they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. So that was communion. And what do we do at communion? We remember the sacrifice of Christ and we worship him for what he did for us. So we're talking about worship as an acknowledgement of the salvation that God has given us. Okay? We're not talking about, <clears throat> we're not talking about the feeling we have when we hear music we like, okay? Because maybe some of you remember, I, I remember this when I was a young person. I went to concerts. I listened to music on the radio that was secular. 
And I had spine tingling, chilling feelings on my spine listening to secular music, especially if I really liked the song. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm into heavy metal music, so when there was that guitar solo, man, that just was really, you know, do you know what I'm saying? And there's a lot of that goes on when you look at some of the secular, people are like worshiping at, in their own secular way, quote, a form of worship of the music there. But that's not what we're talking about here. So you can get into the music and not worship God. Worshiping God is an acknowledgement of who he is and what he's done for you in salvation. So we're going to talk about that uh, when we hit to the third point. The fourth one, of course, is prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. That's pretty self-explanatory. Then God's presence was very obvious among them. They were in awe. They feared God. Now, I remember when I was a young Christian, college student at USC, there was a college group I went to, and somebody was talking about the fear of God. And I remember a lady standing up who was like really adamant that Jesus didn't want us to be afraid of him. Well, that's not the kind of fear that he's talking about, that you'd be scared, although you will be scared in the presence of a holy God. But what he's talking about is reverence. Reverence at the presence of God. So, for instance, I feared my daddy. How many of you feared your daddy? Do you know what I'm saying? It's not because he was a scary dude. You understood what your father could do, right? Do you know what I'm saying? As far as disciplining you. You know, if I got in trouble, I definitely feared my dad. Do you know what I'm saying? So, we're talking about a recognition there of who he is. And then, of course, impact. People were coming to the Lord. They had an impact. So th that's what we're going to be focusing on. But so today we're going to look at this issue of fellowship and intimacy. So I'm going to make two points here before we look at God's word. And I want you to think about this with me, okay? First of all, we have no concept of what it means to be a part of a church. We have no concept concerning what it means to be a part of a church. Now, here's what I'm going to explain what I mean. In our North American context, we have so organized church to be like an organization. And some churches actually run on business principles. Okay? That's very prevalent today. If you take leadership courses sometimes in pastoral circles, they're actually looking at leadership principles that come from Wall Street about how to run your church. The way we organize ourselves, even down to our constitution. So, so most churches, I think pretty much 99% of them, when they have a business meeting, they operate by something called, it's not the Bible, but Robert's Rules of Order. How many of you remember that? And there's always that guy in the church who knows that better than his Bible. Do you know what I'm saying? Because he's always, well, that's out of order. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, do you, you know what I'm saying? You've been, you've sat through those kind of meetings. I've sat through those kind of meetings. And so, but we get this concept that church is an organization. The other concept we get, and this is not the, this is not where Folks who look at it as an organization, but for the vast majority of people who attend, church is simply just the service on Sunday morning. 
It's the Sunday morning service. And it's basically, are you giving me something? And you'll hear people say when they leave, well, nobody, I, know, I didn't get anything from the preacher. Or that music really didn't minister to me. Or I didn't get anything out of it. They didn't care about me. And, and so there's, you, that's all reflective of a misunderstanding of what church is, a misconception of what church is. That they have, most people have no concept of what it means to be a part of a church. Because I'm going to be honest with you folks, all of those things I just described to you, the way people see the church, there, there's no biblical basis for it. There, there really is no biblical basis to sit there and say that it's any of those things. In fact, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've studied the book of Acts, I've studied the epistles, many times have taught through them. I'll, I'll just tell you this right now, as far as how the church runs itself, the, the scripture does give some guidelines, but it doesn't give all guidelines. There's a flexibility that's allowed in how a congregation, a local church, a local body, runs itself. Did you understand what I'm saying? And the whole thing about a service, that's definitely not in the scripture. That's definitely not there. So we have no concept of what it means to be a part of a church. So here's the second one. And I think if you think about what I'm going to say, you'd say, yeah, because that's what we're seeing. Not just in our church, but in churches across America. The, the misconception of church leads to a lack of commitment. If you don't understand what church is, and how you fit in the church. And if you see it just simply as an organization, or if you just simply see it as a worship service to attend, it's going to be reflected in your, in your commitment level there. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's just going to be reflected in your commitment level because the poorer your conception of church is, the minimal amount of commitment you'll make to church. So we have people who have different levels of commitment. Have you noticed? I think I'm looking at people who regularly attend here. So have you noticed that we have a group of folks who only show up on Easter and Christmas? But if you were to talk to them in the community, they would say, well, that's my church. I belong to that church. Okay. But that statement reveals that they don't understand what church is. In fact, I've met people that have never been here in the 17 years that I've been here, and they still tell me that this is their church. Do you think they've got a bad concept of church? Did you know what I'm saying? I mean, seriously, that's, that's not good, is it? So <clears throat> the misconception of church leads to a lack of commitment. Okay, so church just becomes one of the options on Sunday morning. If something else came up, we'd go do that. And all of that is reflective of not truly understanding what church is. So that's why I want us to look at a, a very key passage. I've, I've preached on it before. 
But I want to go back over it and, and talk about it in light of what we're talking about tonight as far as they're about the issue of fellowship. It's from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. So let me just read these three verses to you. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who, promises, he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So I'm going to bring out four things about what it means to have a meaningful fellowship. Because I'm going to, t I'm going to be honest with you, that's what church is. Church is a fellowship of believers. If you want to write that down, you can write that down. Church is a fellowship. It is an intimate group of people. It's not just the service. They, they worship together in a service. They meet together regularly on the Lord's Day, just as the scripture says the early church did, but they also meet together at other times. And they have a role with each other. Okay? They have a role with each other. And so we're going to look at these three verses, and we're going to bring out four things that talk about a meaningful fellowship. Now, where you start as far as having a meaningful fellowship, as far as having church, you got to start, verse 23, with the issue of your salvation. So here's the first point. Because of God's faithfulness to his promises, we must hold fast to our faith. That's always going to be the basis of everything in Christianity. The basis of everything in Christianity is your faith in Christ and what he did to you. And that as you face life, and as you face the onslaught of life, you're holding on to that hope that you have in Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're holding fast to that faith. And so that's really got to be an important ingredient when you talk about having church. Because church is a gathering of people who are holding fast to their faith in this world that's throwing bricks at them and kitchen sinks and other difficulties. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's being able to hold fast in the midst of that. All right, now stop for a moment. Let, let, I'm going to ask a question. When you're going through it, when you're really going through it, and you're just trying to hold on to your faith and trust God to get you through whatever you're going through, is it really a worship service that's going to strengthen you to hold on? Is that really what's going to strengthen you is just a worship service? Is it? I see a couple of heads nodding. No, not really. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you can walk in here burdened, carrying the weight on your shoulders, and you've done that. You've walked in here, carried the weight on your shoulders, had wonderful music, but none of it meant anything to you because all you could think about is what? What I'm going through. What I'm going through. How am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through this? 
you can hear the preacher preach and it may even be a good message and but yet you're not receptive because you're burdened you're 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 just trying to hold on but i will tell you this but if somebody in church came up to you who maybe knows what you're going through or suspects that you're going through something because maybe the holy spirit laid you on their heart and they came over and asked how you were and they put their arm around you so to speak not physically but do you understand encouraged you and loved you do you think that spoke would speak to you and encourage you in the midst of your difficulty would that yeah see that's what church is about it's it's strengthening each other in the world that we're what that we're facing it's not, you know, yes, we need the organization. Yes, we need, you know, to do worship services. But that's not church. Church is the people, the family. And the basis of that is, is that we're holding on in faith to the promises that God gave us. Okay, so here's the second one. We see it in verse 24. And let us consider one another. So we must be aware of each other in order to provoke love and good works. If we're going to be a meaningful fellowship, and I'm here holding on to my faith because of the faithfulness of God to me, I need to, as it says here, consider one another. I need to I need to come in and broaden my world a little bit instead of just looking at where, what's going on in my life. I need to look at the whole picture. I need to allow myself to reach beyond what's going on in my life to interact with the rest of my church family. Because that's what, isn't that one of the illustrations that God uses of a church? It's a family, the family of God. Or a body. One part of the body hurts, what? The whole body hurts? So I've got to consider each other, and I'm considering each other so that I can, what? Provoke love. Provoke love within the body, and provoke what? Good works. Provoke good works. That, see, that's my purpose for coming to church is not just that I come, give me something, give me something. If you don't give me something, I'm out of here. I'll go somewhere else where they'll give it to me. And you can go to those places. You'll find them. But rather, you're here to consider each other and to help each other with what? Love and good works. To stir each other on. See, that's what, that's what true fellowship is. That's what true church is. When you look at what the early church did, first of all, let's stop for a moment. First day, Pentecost, several thousand come together. I'm sure they had some sort of organization, but it wasn't complete. But they didn't focus on that, did they? They focused on studying God's word and what? Being with each other. Do you understand? Being with each other. They were provoking each other to good works and so forth. So then, here, here's the third point. We have to reject the current trend to make our gatherings a low priority. That's a current trend. That's not just a trend here in our church. 
That's a trend in churches across America. And when you look at this passage, it was a trend in Paul's day. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some are what? Prone to do. This has always been a problem where people basically looked at the gathering of believers together in their gatherings together and saw it as a low priority. A low priority. So let me, let me explain something. So I'm not just talking about a service. I'm not just talking about you need to be here on Sunday morning. I remember you know, as a young Christian being an independent Baptist church, and you need to be here on Sunday morning. I remember even at Thomas Road, my pastor then was Jerry Falwell. You need to be here on Sunday morning. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not talking about that. I'm, yeah, be here on Sunday morning, but be at the church picnic. Be at the Bible study. Be involved in the service projects. Be involved in anything like when we do Operation Oil Change. Be involved. We're having a fall picnic coming up again at the Louders. Yes, we're going out to the Louders to have a good time, but can I tell you the biggest reason we're going out to the Louders to have a, we're out there to have a good time, but we're out there to have a good time with each other. To enjoy each other's cooking as we do a potluck and George and Denny's cooking the burgers. Do you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? It's about being together. Because we need each other. I mean, we need each other, don't we? I mean, we really do. Did you understand? For instance, can I be honest with you? Let me just be, I've been here 17 years. But you know what? I could drop dead walking out of the building today because of a heart attack. Does that mean we cease being a church here? No. No, it doesn't. If you have a right perspective of what church is, that church is the people gathered together to be there for each other. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? God will raise up somebody else. Do, do, do you understand? It's, it's not the George show here. It's not the band show. It's the Jesus show. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's about Jesus in us, bringing us together as a body. And that needs to be a priority. That needs to be a priority. So we got to reject the trend. How do we do that? So let me give you some, give you some thoughts here. You know what you do? How you do that? Number one, how do you reject the trend? Saturate your mind with God's word. I'm just going to give you a couple things. You can write these down. Saturate your mind with God's word. Why? Because when you read the New Testament and the epistles, every epistle, you're going to see encouragement after encouragement about how they are with each other, supposed to be with each other. Do you understand? You saturate your mind with God's word. Number two, reject modern thinking concerning church service. I'm just going to be honest with you. Now, hold on. When I, when I say that, because we've done some pretty modern things here. Okay, when I started out in ministry, I wore a suit. I carried a King James Bible. Did you understand what I'm saying? And on Wednesday night prayer meeting, I can remember in my church, I'd wear a tie. Be the only one there, but I'd wear a tie. Did you understand what I'm saying? 
Sunday night, wearing a tie. The music was right out of the hymnal with an organ. So we have done some, so the whole modern, that's not what I'm talking about, that we we just reject whatever the modern, what I'm talking about is modern concepts is the misconceptions that we achieve where we think that, oh, I just, I can attend and not be, not there's no commitment. I don't need to be involved any more than I want to. Or it's just an organization. We got to reject that because you will be influenced by that. Whether you realize it or not, you will be influenced. Here's the other one. Here's the final point. Our gatherings are the basis for mutual encouragement until we meet Jesus. Look at what he says, verse 25. Not forsaken the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but, look at what he says, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. That's why we're here. We're here to what? Encourage each other. Encourage each other. That's what we're here for. And especially as we look at the signs of the time, and you've got to realize when you look at the signs of the time, we're moving close to the end, aren't we? Now, it may be another couple hundred years, but we're moving close, right? That's just reality. We're moving close to the end, so we need to encourage each other until we go to be with Jesus. Because if Jesus doesn't come back in your lifetime, you're still going to meet him when you what? Die. Do you understand? And, and by the way, does everybody know everybody dies? I mean, every, nobody lives forever. And so the reality is, is we're going to meet him, but, un, un, but we need that encouragement. So stop for a moment. Think about this. I know some folks like this. I'm sure you do too. <clears throat> How many people do you know that used to be part of church, but they aren't anymore for whatever reason? And they have no basis for hope or encouragement in their life anymore. Church was, maybe church wasn't an encouragement to them, and that's why they walked out. So now they face life alone. And I was thinking, we were talking about this last night. We live in a world right now where there doesn't seem to be any hope for people, is there? The way they're reacting and the things that they're doing, the suicides, just doesn't seem to be any hope. So it's, it's depressing. But there should be a ray of comfort there, right? There should be a place that you can go where together, as you rest in God's faithfulness, you encourage each other to do the right thing, to move forward. And that's what he's saying here. The, the basis for our getting together is to what? To do what's right until Jesus comes. To hang on till Jesus comes. That's what it's talking about here. So, okay, all right, let's wrap this up. Okay. All right, so what does this got to do with our prayer time, George? 
I think it's got a lot to do with our prayer time. There is, there is something wonderful happening in our church. We, we see the subtle signs of it. And, and God is doing something. He's doing something. But I gotta be careful. You and I have to be careful that we don't allow our misconceptions to stifle that. We need to allow God to help us to become the people that we need to be. So how do we pray about that? How do we pray? How do we pray for our church? I think we pray for our church based on these things here. Number one, God, help me to rest in your faithfulness and to realize the salvation that you've given me. Lord, help me, help me to make an effort to be a part of the gatherings, to encourage one another. Lord, help me to reject the trend that doesn't see the gatherings as not a priority. I need to be a part of the fellowship. I need to be a part of the group of men or the group of women that I belong to. Lord, help me to make sure that the basis of my gathering with them is that I be like you want me to be until you come. And Lord, I pray that my church is like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Our church is like that. Because stop for a moment. You know what? I'm, I'm, what's this? This is 18. Okay. I got saved in 80, 85. So that's 33 years. Okay. So I've been a believer for 33 years. I've been in every kind of church you can think of. I've pastored two churches. I've been in mega church. I've been in small church. I have never seen what's going on here before ever. And I'm excited. I'm excited that, listen, when I get with the men in this church, I may not show it because I'm German, but sometimes I walk away and I've learned something. I've been encouraged. I've been rebuked. And it stirs me to do some, to be closer to Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I have men who will come to me and they'll say, hey, I didn't, something you said today didn't sound right. Are you doing okay? That's cool. Do, do you know what I'm saying? That's the way it should be in church, right? So I've actually come to the place where I've grown out of let's get a, be a big church and let's, let's make sure that we do what we need to do. I've grown out of that to realize, no, let's just be the church God wants us to be and he will bring the people that he wants to be here. And he has, and he is. And he is. Let's pray for a thriving community. That's where our focus needs to be, okay?